0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobs.com for money saver tire and service deals today. Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
1: This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Caracur and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman is here. Do you like when I roll the R's? I've done that for a long time.
3: You know, it's a gift, Randy. It's a talent that you have. Not
2: everybody can roll their R's. I know. So, can you?
3: Yeah, but I don't want to attempt it right now, because what if I falter?
2: You have to practice a little bit.
3: I do. I do. It's, you know, one of those things. It's like riding a bike. You can't just jump into it. You got to you know. practice a little
2: bit. Hey, we've got a lot coming up for you today. We're going to talk to our buddy Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, at the bottom of this hour, Bernie Federko, at 8.15. We've got The Fight. Don't forget that. At 8.30. The county executive, Sam Page, will join us at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Plus, we're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford and Dan McLaughlin. So we've got a busy day here on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Let's get things started with what's happening with COVID-19. And yesterday, Sam Page held a press conference, and Michelle, he said that in the county, there will be a rule, and it's not a hard and fast rule, that you're going to get arrested, but no mask, no service. He says that you could be allowed, as a St. Louis County business, uh, that could be allowed to happen as St. Louis County businesses reopen on May 18th, that you might have to wear a mask.
3: Yeah, I like this rule. I, I like that, you know, businesses are going to be mandated that their employees wear masks because it's not only protecting them, it's protecting the potential patrons that are coming in and that they're able to refuse service to people who aren't covering their faces or following these rules because by putting those those guidelines in place, you're really forcing people to protect themselves and protect others.
2: And hey, you can get a blues mask, you can get a cardinals mask. There's no reason not to show your colors and, heck, protect yourself, protect everybody else. That's the most important thing. You're When you wear a mask, you're protecting everybody that you're around
3: exactly and I think you as long as everyone keeps that in mind helping your fellow man in addition to yourself because you would want someone to provide the same courtesy to you right
2: absolutely now Michelle I'm gonna offer you one free mask and I've got three that you can choose from I've got Cardinals blues and Illini what are you choosing
3: you know That's a tough choice because I do love all three, but I gotta go Illini. It's it's my school. It's a part of me, Randy. So yeah, definitely going Illini.
2: I'm gonna go with Blues when I'm feeling good, and then I'm gonna when I have a real bad sniffles, I'm gonna make a Rams one.
3: You would wear a Rams
2: mask. Well, if I could get snot all over it.
3: But I'm surprised you no, would, e- would even want that logo yeah. to touch your body, no, Randy.
2: I wouldn't. No, it's. Ew, <laughs>
3: Can you just... imagine in the social media era, Randy, if you wore a Rams mask oh, somewhere mask. and someone snapped a photo of you and put it on social media?
2: That was one of the contests that they always wanted to do in the fast lane. If I lost a contest, that I would have to wear like a Stan Kroenke Rams jersey, and I couldn't do it. You can't
3: do it. No, not I at think all. It w- your body would reject it. <laughs>
2: It would. ESPN's Jeff Passan is reporting that baseball is expecting to offer a return-to-play proposal to the MLB Players Association within the week, and he says dozens of players are already working out at team facilities around the country, and the possibility of holding a three or four-week spring training at teams' home stadiums appeals to a number of stakeholders. Now, obviously, there is going to be a little pushback on the part of some people, but as Ken Rosenthal had reported, as we heard from Tim Kirkjian, now Jeff Passan, there seems to be a lot of momentum, Michelle, towards getting baseball back.
3: Love that, Randy. Music to my ears. We need sports back in the worst way. And I think when you look at all of the sports that are primed to come back, baseball is the most logical one to go first because of the fact that the players are separated. There's really not a lot of contact. If there is contact, oftentimes it's a glove touching a body, which, as we know, provides layers of protection. But I really hope that these dates, these projected potential dates are in fact true. And I almost I know that baseball is going to be very cautious with this and that since this is a very fluid and developing situation, that what was true yesterday could definitely not be true today. I think that once they go out there and publicly say this is the date, this is what we're doing, that there's going to be a lot of pressure and groundswell to actually make that happen and figure out a way to effectively make it happen. But Jeff Passon was on Sports Center and he echoed those sentiments saying that there's a lot of questions About these dates because this is such a fluid situation.
0: It's understandable that there are questions about a return in June or July because we still don't know what the country is going to look like next week as opposed to a month or two from now. So, yes. August is a realistic possibility and a contingency plan. And September is another realistic possibility and a contingency plan. And all of these things need to be baked into that original proposal that Major League Baseball is going to send over to the Players Association in the coming week or so. Because I think both sides need to be really understanding about this, that as much as they want to get back on the field, the realities out there publicly, both politically and both health-wise, really are going to be what's guiding baseball back.
2: That's the most important thing, isn't it? That uh, the, the reality of the virus is what has to guide them. And it appears as they try to lock in, we've seen a June 10th date for spring training. We've seen July 1st for opening the season, 4th of July for opening the season. It seems like baseball is kind of trying to work around the virus and plug in their own dates.
3: Yeah, but working around the virus is a very difficult
2: task because
3: it's changing so much.
2: And Jeff Fasson mentioned that applying time to this is really difficult.
0: Well, it looks really complicated, Bucci, and that's the problem when you're assigning dates like June 10th to return for spring training or July 1st to return to games. You're not taking into account all of the things that need to come together. And it goes well beyond the idea that you need approval from ownership or that you need the players on board. In order for baseball to come back, it also needs the backing of the federal government, all the way up to the White House, as well as the backing of health experts and officials whose gravitas and authority is going to really lend credence to this plan because we have to understand the environment in which baseball would be coming back.
2: Jeff Passant is 100% correct there. That being said, Here we have St. Louis City and County looking at next week, May 18th, to reopen. Multiple states, even California, are initiating reopening plans. A lot of cities around the country. If you can reopen stores, if you can get people in restaurants and use proper social distancing, it's without fans, Mm -hmm. with two rosters of 40 people each and coaches. And I know baseball is and should be and will be concerned about some of the older managers and some of the coaches and trainers, some of the older people around the sport. But when you have a lot of really highly physically trained athletes, I don't know why that would be an issue any more than having people that are six feet away from each other in a clothing store.
3: Right. I wonder how much of this is the leagues looking at the situation like you mentioned may 18th as a potential date in st louis for things to start being a little bit less restrictive but again we don't really know what that's going to look like yes there's going to be a lessening of some of these stay-at-home orders and some of these guidelines but we don't know how society and how this virus is going to react when that happens Mm -hmm. so i think if you're baseball you're you can make the hypothesis that X, Y, and Z is going to be true, but then once things return to even a semblance of normalcy, it could look completely different.
2: Hey, these bozos in baseball <laughs> already have social distancing when you try to take out a second baseman, right? That's you, true. You can't true. run over a catcher. So, what different? The, the game's going to be no different. The only thing that'll happen is uh, there are going to be some inexperienced outfielders that are going to run into each other. But one's probably 22 and the other one's 24 because the 33 year old player doesn't exist anymore in baseball. And if they run, run into each other they're going to be fine.
3: I like your attitude Randy.
2: <laughs> it, it's, it is what it is that's where where baseball is right now but I would hope especially because we hear the president saying that he wants sports back he doesn't he's tired of watching 14 year old baseball games mm-hmm. we heard Mitch McConnell we've heard Andrew Cuomo we've heard Anthony Fauci most of the people, the, the big names that are talking about this on a daily basis in government, whether it be federal or state, are saying we want baseball back and there are ways to do it. And I would have to think that Major League Baseball, we know Mitch McConnell talked to Rob Manfred, and I have to believe that more than just he have talked to Manfred and other people in Major League Baseball about the processes under which baseball could and should and will be able to safely come back.
3: And I know so much of this is scary and it's anxiety inducing, but at some point, whether it's May 18th, when you start to go out or, you know, a week beyond that or a week beyond that, people are going to start living their lives again, mm-hmm. you know, and that fear will slowly, it, it might still be there at least for a while, but it, it'll you'll slowly start getting used to it. And I think that's the same thing with baseball. Once you go out there and you have that first game or these players experience their first game without the fans, with these, you know, with the responsibility and the mindset, that you know we are staying away from each other this is the way it's going to look just like anything it gets a little easier and a little easier as you go on
2: there will be a completely different look and we've heard about the possibility of seven inning games we've heard about uh, the possibility of the universal dh the possibility of having three 10 team divisions and jeff passan says hey this is going to be a season unlike any other
0: whether it takes form in an 80 to 100 game regular season as they're hoping for or whether it looks like just one long tournament if things do get postponed until say september baseball wants to be open-minded about how it returns as well as when it returns
2: i have no problem with having just a big tournament with all 30 teams and if they do get forced to delay things and they have to start in august and they have a two-month tournament to determine who their champion is. And kind of like the NCAA tournament, everybody, but essentially everybody in the NCAA makes a playoffs because they've got the conference tournaments, right? If you win your conference tournament, you're in the NCAA tournament. So basically everybody does. If they have all 30 teams in a tournament, then I'm on board with that. And I still think the best team is going to come out on top. Cream of the crop, cream will rise to the top. I agree. So let's do that. Let's do it. Okay, and and you know
3: what? It could be one of those things where in 2021 it returns back to the structure or a a similar structure as what we're used to, and we could always look back on 2020 and be like, "Remember the tournament? That was fun."
2: Yeah, right. It'll be a a different year. A couple of other notes: uh, Ramona Shelburne tweeting that NBA Players Association executive director Michelle Roberts and NBA Commissioner Adam Silver are going to hold a call for all players on Friday. And given the issue of reopening NBA practice facilities, one GM said this is by no means ramping up towards something. It's more about mental health than anything at this point. And a couple of MLS teams, including Sporting KC, have welcomed their players back to their facilities and they're training with masks on. But they're training nonetheless and MLS starting to get ready to resuming play.
3: That has to be difficult to train with a mask on, run with a mask on. You learn to breathe differently. I'm sure that's something that they're being – you know, talk to about and they're discussing because it, that's a whole different wrinkle into their training and to the way that, that that could affect them moving forward. And
2: I wonder if they're going through different masks and f- finding out which one is the easiest for the players to breathe with. Because yeah, I'm sure. It, a homemade mask is different than a professionally made one, kind of like helmets in the NFL. Right. What mask is most effective for you?
3: Yeah, and you're probably looking at different fabrics, which one's breathable, which one is, you know, lightweight but still effective, things mm-hmm. of that nature. Gosh, things we never thought we'd talk no about, Randy,
2: <laughs> Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN coming up as we hopefully head towards baseball. We want to hear from you. Who are you most confident about with the 2020 Cardinals? Who are you least confident about? We're going to tell you who we are most and least confident about heading into the season. And we want to hear from you as well. You can use the Rhino Shield Mic Drop feature with the 101 espn app or you can just text us with the air comfort service text line 65780 we'd love to hear from you who are you confident about who are you not next with carriker and smallman on 101 espn we're right back to the carriker and smallman
1: podcast on 101 espn (laughs)
2: We welcome your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. You can also send us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. You can download that baby for free on your phone, (laughs) Android, or your iPhone. And you can use the mic drop feature with your uh, 101 ESPN app. And you can always tweet us at msmallman on Twitter and on the gram (laughs) and at Randy Carricker on Twitter and at RJ character on Instagram. And of course, we just have the big old 101 ESPN Twitter page, too.
3: And Facebook, 101 and Facebook. ESPN, yeah, we're and, all over. You and Instagram. Over really, any platform you could possibly think of, we've got your content sorted out.
2: Okay, we're hoping that in a little over a month, the Cardinals will start spring training at Busch Stadium. And when they do, not if they do, when they do, there are some players, some aspects of the team that we're going to be exceptionally confident in. There's some players and some aspects of the team that we're not going to be particularly confident in. Let's start with who we are confident about. Michelle, I'll let you start
3: Randy when I look at the Cardinals roster heading into 2020 if I'm not a gambling girl but if you told me hey I'm going to give you a hundred bucks and you have to place your money on a horse if you will without even batting an eye I'm throwing my money down on Jack Flaherty I am so confident in him I know that when you look at his season the first half of his 2019 season obviously wasn't as great as his dominant second half, one of the best second halves we've seen, if not the best second half we've seen by a major league pitcher ever. But I just think when you look at the way that his game developed and what he's become for the Cardinals, if I had to place money on anybody, it's Jack Flaherty.
2: I agree with that 100%, but I'm going to give you an offensive guy. Okay. Because the career numbers are there. And as a Cardinal, even though it The optics weren't great. Paul Goldschmidt had a great year for the Cardinals. It wasn't particularly consistent, but I'm really confident that he's going to give us a typical Paul Goldschmidt season. Like Flaherty, he's an exceptionally hard worker, Mm -hmm. and he has that Mamba mentality. He really wants to do well. So while I'm with you, Flaherty, I think, is the one guy that we can all agree on in Cardinal Nation. I think Goldie's going to have a good year.
3: I hope so. And I'll never forget when Paul Goldschmidt came to the Cardinals, and I've said this before when I was on with Bernie, I believe it was Matt Carpenter was talking about Paul Goldschmidt and how when he's on or just his presence in the locker room, that he's a force multiplier. When Paul Goldschmidt is going, the rest of the, so does the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we see that on a consistent basis from him because as we get into our least confident <laughs> things about the 2020 Cardinals, if Paul Goldschmidt goes, I think a lot of other things on the team will fall into place
2: all right so what are you least confident in
3: you know it seems like a million years ago that we were talking about spring spring training Mm -hmm. games and the anxiety that we felt about this cardinals team but there's just a and i know heading into actual games a lot of that has dissipated because we're just so excited to watch baseball so some of the angst we may have felt about different facets of the team may have dwindled or at least subsided a little bit not so much for me in this offense I still have a certain taste in my mouth about the way we saw the Cardinals offense completely stall at the end of the 2019 season. I know that the players had... uh not only an offseason and a spring training, but an extended offseason with Jeff Albert's principles. And that, that's something that John Moselik and the Cardinals front office had preached. They need more consistency. That's why they moved on from Mark Budaska, because they didn't want conflicting principles, and they needed everyone to get on the same page. And while I understand the logic behind all of that, it's one of those things I'm going to have to see it to believe it. So until I see the Cardinals offense go out there and produce consistently, I'm still going to have that nervous energy about it.
2: I have... Two, I don't think one will be a surprise. I think the other one for a lot of people will. I am not confident anymore in Matt Carpenter getting better. And we love Mark, hard worker. He turned 34 on November 26th. And in his last seven months of play, he has exceeded an OPS of 756 one time. And uh, that was in September of last year. So that was that part of it was good. But in the last... Month of 2018, he had a 558 OPS. And then you look at the months from last year 684 in April and M- March and April, 762 in May, 667 in June, 435 in July, 745 in August. And then he did bounce back in 24 games and 71 plate appearances in September and October. He had an 866 OPS. But overall, I just. I can't take that 866 and say, okay, I think he's going to be good again, let alone great, which he was for a long time. I just I don't see it coming back based upon what I've seen for the last year plus.
3: Do you think it's just a point where Father Time waits for no one and he can work? Because we know that he is one of the hardest, if not the hardest working guy on the team. And he's even said sometimes that's a negative for me is that I might work too hard. I might grind it out too hard. I might obsess over this too much. Do you think it's just no matter what he puts into it, he's gotten to that stage physically where it's not going to return?
2: That's what I think. And you go back to when he wrapped up in college and his coach told him to lose weight. And he was a grinder then and worked so hard at losing weight. And we remember him being put on the DL with exhaustion Mm -hmm. because he would get to the ballpark so quickly, uh, so early, and work so hard. And I really do think he's one of those guys that has worn his body down. And I just don't see it coming back at the age of 34. The other one for me, and this is the one that might surprise some people, is Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond had an 850 OPS for the Cardinals last year. His career minor league OPS is 769. And you look at his pro career. And even if we just want to take the last couple of years before last year, uh, 710 Uh, Well, let me go back to uh, a full season. 756 in 2018. In 2017, he had a 702 OPS. 2016, for that whole year, he had a uh, a 827 OPS, but that was only in 54 games in A-ball. He just really has not had a ton of minor league success. I really look at last year as the outlier for him. And I hope that something has kicked in. And he has turned into a really good major league player. But his minor league overall numbers wouldn't lead you to believe that he is that guy.
3: Well, that's not really giving me the warm and fuzzies, Randy, because if you're thinking Matt Carpenter's not going to return, and then you think Tommy Edmonds last season was an outlier, it seems like we kind of so, got a big a big circle and a big question mark we need to worry about there. What do
2: you do at third
3: base? <laughs> what are we going to do? I
2: got an answer for you. Tell me. His name is Nolan.
3: Oh you know, I miss the days of us talking about Arenado and reading the tea leaves and uh, the drama in Colorado. You really think that that... Do do you think that this situation with the season, with the truncated season, with the way that this is all played out, do you think that that leads us to a more positive state with him coming to the Cardinals or a more negative state?
2: I would think a more negative state because it's not going to cost as much for Colorado to keep him for another year. And they might find a way in a lesser season... Because they don't have a lot of starting pitching depth, but you don't need as much when you aren't playing as many games. So this might work in their favor, and they might be able to trick everybody into thinking that they're better than they really are.
3: I actually think it helps the Cardinals, and it helps them immensely. Because Nolan Arenado's entire reason for wanting to get out of Colorado is that he wants to win. Mm -hmm. And that he knows his career is only a finite amount of time, and he can feel the clock ticking. What else do you need other than an international health crisis and your season being abbreviated for you to feel that more? I mean, there you have an entire season that you would have normally had a normal season washed away. You don't know what your career or what these seasons are going to look like moving forward. To me, if that was what caused him to speak out about the team and won out, the fact that He realizes that not only do I have a finite amount of time, but it could be even shorter or it could look a lot more different. To me, that makes him have a little bit more sense of urgency to get out and get on a team that he feels can contend.
2: We're going to pick up on this more later in the show on 101 ESPN. But next up, our buddy Greg Amzinger of MLB Network is standing by. He is going to join us and talk about what he thinks baseball will look like when it comes back next on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Here at 101 ESPN, we always enjoy talking to the native St. Louisan, a product of the Lindenwood University. And uh, one of our best friends, Greg Amzinger, is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Of course, Greg is at MLB
1: Network. He's their lead anchor. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Oh, Randy. Randy and Michelle. (laughs) The genius that put these two together. I I love this. This has got a good ring to it. I think it's going to flow.
3: Randy, Michelle, and Greg. What a trio. (laughs) What a St. Louis trio.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, look, no one's ever uh, described me as a morning person, but it, it, it does show how much I love the two of you. So while I look forward to the challenge every once a week. I don't know what day we'll commit to, but I'm looking forward to catching up with you two and talking baseball after I've lived baseball uh, the night before until 1 a.m. Eastern on MLB Tonight, whenever baseball resumes, which I cannot wait for.
2: All right, let's start there. Do you have any idea, do you, if you're going to give us a prediction about when baseball would resume, most of the reports are saying spring training, early June season, early July. What do you think of that?
1: At first, I thought late May they'd get going. Uh, I do believe we're going to find out in a few days. I think Look in the area of May 15th. I think an announcement's going to come out around that time. Um, This is all speculation. You have to understand, we're all, I harass my my colleagues, Ken Rosenthal and Sean Heyman and Tom Verducci and all of our insiders. I'm on the phone with them all the time because I am stir-crazy. I want to get back in the studio. I want to do these shows. Um, But from what I'm hearing, you're you're, you're pretty close there, Randy. I I think it's going to be in the early June area, and they really want baseball back and running around 4th of July. If That's 1st of July, a little after 4th of July. They want baseball going. Will there be spectators? No. Uh, But I think we're at a point now where we're we're starved for live content that that we'll get past that. We'll get past, past that. We'll just hit mute. Uh, We'll turn on our favorite radio broadcast or whatever so we don't have to hear, like, the echoes. And uh, we'll just enjoy baseball again. And and I think America's ready for that.
3: Absolutely. America's ready. We're ready. And, Greg, there's a lot of hurdles that remain in place for baseball to get this done. And even if they have firm plans in place— This virus is changing every day. What we knew to be true yesterday isn't necessarily going to be true today. But in your opinion, what do you think is the biggest obstacle facing them right now? Is it, you know, getting testing? Is it getting all of the players and everyone on board? Is it trying to figure out logistics? What do you think is the one thing that baseball circling saying, hey, we really need to make sure we get this part right?
1: Money. It comes down to that. Uh, The union's going to want to fight for players to get compensated completely for the games they're going to play. And Major League Baseball is going to stand there and go, well, wait a minute, we're not going to have any spectators. There will be no gate. And that's a huge chunk of what we pay these guys. Uh, they've agreed to pay these guys per game, but they're, now they're saying only half of that. They're going to have to get past that. They want these guys who, I'm sorry, but, but risk their lives you're going to be sliding head first in the second base. I don't think these guys, you know, maybe they play with masks, but they're athletes, be so breathing heavily. Um, you're making these, these men get, get in close quarters with each other, and they'll be the first athletes really to do it on an everyday basis. So you're going to have to bend, and the money thing is the big hang-up. The owners are not making any money right now. And they want it to be reflective in what they're paying these players. That's one obstacle. The other obstacle is, well, how do you ensure safety while they're playing these games? And this is not anything that I've heard, but I've thought this for a while. I had an idea. And, you know, Randy, I always have a bunch of ideas. Yes, you do. a lot um, of good ones. My issue with the way the games are, are, are produced, there's just too much media. you've know, you got a regional sports network for every single team. You're going to have to downsize, as painful as that is from a job's perspective, but you're going to have to downsize that. What do I mean? My idea was Arizona and Florida. The teams that play in Arizona, you have 16 teams out there that do spring training. You have 14 uh, in Florida. Those are your two leagues, okay? And then what you do is you take two of your biggest regional sports networks out. We'll start out in Florida. The Yes Network, you guys get the Complex in Tampa. Uh, Nesson, Northeast Sports Network, you produce Red Sox games famously. You get the Fort Myers location, okay? Uh, MLB Network, you get Sarasota, all right? Uh, ESPN, you get Lake Buena Vista where the Atlanta Braves have spring training. You have four ballparks, and that is it. And what you're going to have to create is a, is a quarantine-type situation. This is all Greg Amsinger's opinion, right? What do I mean by that? Think of an Olympic village. You're going to have grocery stores only open for MLB players and personnel and production staff. You're only going to have a couple golf courses open for players to do something while they're quarantined playing baseball for four months. You're going to have movie theaters only open to this group of people, right? Restaurants, etc. And what you'll end up having, and this is what I think would work, is you'll have a crew early and late for all of these production companies, and they will produce a noon game and a 7 p.m. game from their ballpark. And, Randy, you you know this. Michelle, you've been around the business for a long time. The hang-up for television uh, crews is to relocate to a different ballpark and get their truck rewired and all their cameras and all of that. If you eliminate the process and you downsize the media that would be on location, and you have all the, ball, all the ball clubs just going to four different stadiums, right? Now you, you've taken the amount of humans that would be in contact with these baseball players down to a minimum. Unfortunately, you cannot have all 30 media outlets that go cover these teams. You're going to have to really downsize, quarantine those people with the players and, and you would have a game at noon and a game at 7. And let's just say the Orioles play the Yankees in Tampa. They'd have a three-game series where all their games would be at noon during that series. And then the, the Red Sox would play, let's say, the Mets at 7 p.m. from the same ballpark. And then you rotate those ballparks. But the media outlets don't have to move. They don't have to relocate. They show up to the same stadium every day. You do it for the same. You do the same thing out west, four different ballparks. You give a media outlet its own stadium. They never leave. And that way, it's the most efficient and safe way to get this done while everyone's being tested throughout the process.
2: You do think a lot, man. That's great.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Greg Hamzinger, media commissioner. Let's make it happen.
1: Well, I will tell you, I I did throw that idea out there. And, um... Uh, to people that that have the power to think about it and uh I got I got a warm response back and it, it's close to what they're working on so you know it's it they've got to do something that extreme if they're going to get this done the way they want it to get done
2: We had a great subject yesterday and I asked you about this you've had some time to think about it we all know or at least assume that The National League is going to have the designated hitter by 2022. Albert Pujols' contract with the Angels expires after the 2021 season. If you are the Cardinals and the DH is in play in the National League, do you sign a 42-year-old Albert Pujols for one year?
1: Absolutely, yes, 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 yes. Now, do I think that would happen? No, 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 no. Because the, the, the Angels want the first ballot Hall of Famer as an ambassador of the Angels. And when they signed the 10-year contract with Albert, they assumed his contract was going to come to an end. So this news of Albert coming out the other day saying, "Well, oh, you know what? I don't know, man. I think I could I can play one more year. That's not what they wanted to hear. They've got a clause in his contract that they're going to pay him a million bucks just to be a proud angel and walk around and be at the ballpark in Anaheim for 10 years after he's done retiring. So, so he's getting paid to be a retired angel. That's in his deal. For him to come out and say what he said, I connected the dots. Did you come up with this question, Randy? Was this you? I will not take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why I think it's you. Because we do think a lot alike. And when I saw him come back to St. Louis uh, this past summer, that love fest for a former player that turned down the, the the only city that he became a star in to go make more money, even though that city ponied up as much money as they could pony up at the time to keep him. He fell in love again. And it was a Monday uh, following that weekend series. I was on MLB Network, and I asked to do, you know, all these analysts do break down tapes, to break down a guy's pitching motion and his swing. And I wanted to break down – a King's welcome and a King's return in St. Louis. So I did this tape, and as Albert walked up for his first at-bat in the standing ovation, I I, I broke up the screen into a a bunch of different like Brady Bunch-style screens, (laughs) and it was all of the standing ovations of every at-bat he had that entire weekend in real time. And it just gave you a sense of, my goodness, they literally didn't stop doing this. All weekend long, and then to show them go nuts when he hit a home run, and there was when Albert came out for his last curtain call. I don't know if you remember this, but he came out and he paused and he just stared at everybody. He stared, and then he went down into the clubhouse. Like he didn't just get high five and sit on the bench and uh, hung out in the dugout. He went down into the clubhouse. He was emotional, man. He was emotional. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis that day, I believe, was the city that got away. You know, we talk all the time about great young prospects that teams didn't hold on to. Think about the Tigers and John Smoltz or the Red Sox and Jeff Bagwell. It's happened so many times in baseball history. But in this case, St. Louis was the city that got away from wow. Albert. And I think that moment led to the comment that he made just days ago. I think, I totally could see Albert and Yachty walking off at the same time. And I think it'd be epic. And if there was a DH in St. Louis, it would be such a beautiful thing to see him get standing ovations. And if we thought Willie McGee's final year in a Cardinal uniform was crazy when he was getting standing ovations in every home game and every at-bat, this would be that on the highest level. And I hope it happens because I said when he was a free agent, in case no one's ever heard me before, I'm a huge Cardinal fan. I don't even – I'm not ashamed of that regardless of what I do for a living on national TV. And I said at the time – in that offseason, uh, I think it was John Hart, maybe it was Dan O'Dowd. He said, Greg, you know, he's going to get older. You don't want a star to fall on you. That is the way every GM wants to think. You don't want a star to fall on you. Overpay him for no production. And I said, you know, I, I, I love Albert so much, and, and the, the memories he gave me are so epically beautiful and fun. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather lose with him than win without him. And I meant it. And I meant it. So it would be a great thing to see him come back.
3: You know, Greg, as you're painting this beautiful picture of Yachty and Albert walking off into you know baseball heaven together, I'm getting goosebumps. And then I thought, oh, wait, didn't Yachty and Molina come out last week saying that he is open to playing somewhere else if if he can't work it out with the Cardinals next season? So he's kind of throwing a wrench into our beautiful dream scenario here. But what do you think about that? Do you think that Yachty, once his contract expires with the Cardinals, could go somewhere else, or do you think that the Cardinals would potentially work out a deal to keep him here for another year?
1: Yeah, see, I think of it like what he came out and said was, you're going to have to pay me to be a premium catcher. I'm not going to do it for free. And don't expect me just to hang up because you guys think I should. Uh, I saw him in spring training, and I-, I was there in Jupiter. He's in great shape, man. and, he, and he's, he's a fine wine. He's in better shape now than when he was 24. <laughs> he <laughs> I mean, is. He really sorry. is. Right? Yeah. I mean, Randy, you saw him at his entire career. I, he he was like a, a soft-body pudgy kid, and now he's <laughs> in crazy shape. So If he can do it, if he tells you he can do it, no one's done it like him. So just take him, hit the expert's opinion. I think he came out and said what he said, just to, to kind of rattle the cage and let him know he wants to play another year. And if the Albert idea was a possibility, you can't let you can't bring in Albert and let Yachty walk.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like you know, it's like wearing. Uh, I, you know, I was about to say one different colored shoe, but apparently that's what kids do now. I had to buy my daughter two pairs of shoes. She's a basketball star. She's got one purple tennis shoe and one white tennis shoe while she's playing basketball. So yeah, it's not like you got to have two pair two exact pairs. But in this case, you can't have. Albert back without Yachty just wouldn't make any cardinal sense.
2: It is right now 845 in New Jersey where Greg Amzinger is. What's the weather going to be like at 10 o'clock?
1: Oh, beautiful day today, Randy. 66 degrees, uh, winds from the south at 9 miles an hour, uh, which should affect a couple par threes on my golf course. I'll have to club down a little bit, but let me just tell you, it's going to be a beautiful day at Montclair Golf Club. I'm looking to add the momentum, another round in the 80s. Don't make fun of all of you sticks out there. Sticks, I said. (laughs) S-T-I-C-K-S. And, um, you know, just just, just understand that I'm trying to get better every day.
2: You're the best. Hey, thanks for taking some time with us, and we will do this Uh, once we get up and rolling with baseball we're gonna do it every week
1: all right i can't wait to do it michelle so good to hear your voice randy you're the best this is gonna be a blast
2: all right thanks brother that's our buddy greg amzinger mlb network he is the best isn't he
3: the best
1: so
2: it's so fun to watch him and he really does he wants to come on after he finishes at midnight our time so that he can review what happened the night before i'm in Mm -hmm.
3: and as he's as he's painting that scenario of albert and yadi it sounds so great
2: it's a painting isn't it it is like with their arms over each other's shoulders four and five
3: yeah you know with the backdrop of uh you know the outfield cutout Mm -hmm. bush stadium baseball heaven that's how i envision it in my mind
2: you can absolutely picture it next up freeze pops is going to join us for a little game of wake up or snooze you can get your text into the air comfort service text line 65780 we are going to play wake up or snooze next on 101
1: espn we're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on one Oh one ESPN.
2: If you're new to the show, one of the things that I will admit that in putting together a particular program is that I'm really creative in stealing other people's stuff. <laughs> and so many moons ago, uh, ESPN TV had a segment on SportsCenter, I think, called Truth or Trash, and we stole it and renamed it for the Fast Lane, and it was co- called Take It or Leave It, which I guess now is gone. They don't have Take It or Leave It in the Fast Lane anymore, but I didn't want to steal their stuff, so, well, I didn't want to steal it, but I wanted to rename it and make you think it was ours, so we're calling it Wake Up or, or, or Snooze, which is actually Michelle's idea. We stole it, and you named it.
3: But I... I didn't realize that the fast lane got rid of Tioli. And essentially, Randy, if you stole it from Sports Center and brought it to the Fastlane, it's your property. So you could have stole it and brought it to our morning show. So we didn't even need to come up with a new fancy morning-related yeah. name for this. We could have just called it Take It or Leave It.
2: We could have, yeah. And, and this is, by the way, uh, if I'm involved, it's non-intellectual property. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, Freeze Pops has the questions. Take it away, big boy. Hey, guys. Hey there. All right. So the first topic. As ESPN has been carrying Korean baseball for the last few days, there has been a lot of chatter on the internet about the cheerleaders at these baseball games, and this got me thinking, cheerleading at sporting events is a tradition of the past, and it should go away. Wake up or snooze.
2: Michelle?
3: (sighs) This one's difficult. I'm going to say wake up, but let me explain. I understand. I I know a lot of people who have been cheerleaders for various teams, and I understand it's something that they're passionate about, that they're really good at. They make some money doing it. Probably not enough. But I think when you're looking at the situation that we're in today, are cheerleaders essential to the games? No. And a lot of I mean, think about it. We as media members, as Greg Amzinger just talked about, the media members are going to be whittled down. The production staff is going to be whittled down. The people that the teams are allowed to bring are is going to be whittled down so that the number of people involved in getting these games up and running is limited to the smallest number possible. So when I think about safety and when I think about what's deemed essential, I'm going to have to say no on the cheerleaders and say, wake up.
2: At the moment, I would agree with that. Yeah. But I'm going to snooze on this for the long term because cheerleaders get scholarships and they're able to go to school because they're good cheerleaders. And I think at the collegiate level, at the high school level, it's a valuable thing for the young women and for the the spirit of the sport. I don't think the NFL needs cheerleaders the way that they have them. But I do think that in in most instances, because... The NFL is the minority. In most instances, I think that cheerleaders are a good thing. So I'm going to snooze on this one.
3: Yeah, great point, Randy. I was thinking more in the professional leagues, not the collegiate leagues. And yes, the men and women in college are there a lot of times on scholarships. So yeah, that makes a huge difference.
4: This one just came in on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, and I I like it, so I'm going to share it. Uh, From the 309, wake up or snooze, Dylan Carlson will be a starter on the new opening day. Wake up or snooze.
3: I'm going to wake up because I want it to happen. <laughs> and I think one of the things that we had talked about in regards to Dylan Carlson is, hey, even if he has a dominant spring training, we potentially need to to wait on him. You know, maybe later in the season, we'll say, well, guess what? Those early games are gone. We are technically later in the season. And with an abbreviated schedule, every game Every game matters anyway. Every game matters that much more. And one of the things that a lot of fans have harped on with the Cardinals is that they don't oftentimes put out what fans deem to be the best player at the time. And I think you do not have that luxury this season and you need to play the best players at the time.
2: I'm going to snooze on this one because I believe that the Cardinals go with the known rather than the unknown. And they know Tyler O'Neill a little bit more. They know Bader more. They know Fowler more. And... I wonder if there's going to be minor league baseball. I wouldn't be surprised if when the season started, if the entire 40-man roster was on the team. So I think they might, because he's still a non-roster guy, might find a guy, uh, a spot for him on the roster and give him playing time. The opening day lineup, I just don't see how he can make that much of an impact in three weeks when he hadn't made enough of an impact in four weeks before.
4: Heavyweight boxing icon Mike Tyson has been offered one million dollars to step into the ring with New Zealand rugby star Sonny Bill Williams. What a name. As of now, this is just an offer with no fight scheduled. There is no job or offer you would turn down if you were going to be paid one million dollars. Wake up or snooze.
2: Okay, if if it I, I'm gonna snooze on this. There are things that I would not do for a million dollars. That being said, Tyson is the guy that's been offered a million dollars. If somebody offers me a million bucks to step into the ring with a New Zealand rugby star, I'll just turtle. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll take a million bucks.
3: Would you let Mike Tyson punch you in the face once for a million dollars? No. No.
2: <laughs> It wouldn't hurt too much. I wouldn't either.
3: (laughs) You know, I know we're in a pandemic, and I I would take really any check that was offered to me at this point. I'm not that picky. I mean, Mike Tyson will destroy your face and potentially your brain. Yeah. You know the. I always think risk reward. The medical bills that are going to come from the punch. What's that going to cut into your check? You know, you're recovering. That's exactly
2: right. You might break even or yeah. lose money. <laughs>
3: Honestly, yeah. you have to really consider how much you're actually going to be generating when you think about how broken your face could yeah. potentially be.
2: Now, you're letting him punch you in the face. It would be different for me if I could just put some boxing gloves over my face. Mm-hmm. And if they say, okay, you have to get in the ring for a maximum of three minutes. He might knock you out and he might break your ribs or whatever. But if I could do it, where if I could get a million dollars where I could protect my face and he's just breaking up ribs, which I know, by the way, hurts really bad. But I might do it for a million bucks for three minutes, two minutes, whatever.
3: Randy, would you be Stan Kroenke's assistant for one day for a million dollars?
2: No. <laughs> I wouldn't Well, either. you know what? But I have access. No, because people would know when it happened.
3: Yeah, there'd be a press release and everything.
2: <laughs> well, uh, no, people would know when it ha- when something happened to him oh, who was Oh, yes around there'd for be a press day. release
3: about that too. <laughs> yeah,
4: from the police. <laughs> from the police. <laughs> Guys, I want to sneak this one in on the back end here. It's being reported that in quotes, offensive genius Josh McDaniels was not a fan of Cam Newton when he was interviewing for the head coaching job in Carolina, and it's speculated that's why the Patriots are not interested in signing him. McDaniels will be exposed without Tom Brady at quarterback this season. Wake up or snooze? I'll wake up. He'll be further exposed.
2: <laughs> this is a guy that had Sam Bradford with a high ankle sprain who was running rollouts in a Monday night game in Seattle. Naked bootleg. Unbelievable. So, yeah, he's uh, he, he's a product of being Brady Belichick. And, yes, he will be even further exposed in New England without Brady.
3: Yeah, I'm going to – fully wake up jump out of bed and drink some coffee on this one I mean sitting here in st. Louis we know that the air quotes genius of Josh McDaniels is not what it is without Tom Brady I mean let's go through the resume all the success he had in Denver oh wait uh, no can't find it all the success he had in st. Louis uh, uh, no. I can't find it oh those return stints that he had with the greatest quarterback of all time and potentially the greatest head coach of all time oh yeah I, I see the success you've had there prove that you can do it without them You haven't done it without that. not only just Brady, but Belichick. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's had opportunities to do so.
2: Thank you, Freeze Pops. Thanks, guys. That's Tommy Freeze Pops. Carol, our producer here on Carricker and Smallman. And thanks to you for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, it's time for a fresh take here on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That
1: was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.